I, I, I didn't lock it. The, the only thing I touched was the blanket. That's, uh, that's all I remember doing. All right. You didn't lock it. It locked itself. Now, what about the windows? Well, they were open. They were closed when Ben walked into that room. Now, make sense, Elizabeth. Oh. How, how can I? How, how can I when you, when you, you, you keep shouting at me and accusing me? I'm not accusing you. All right, everybody. You know, what is it about? I think it is. Uh, we go back to 70s horror quite a bit and the influence of 70s horror. And I think what works with 70s horror is because they're not PC. And it was the last era of films, last decade of films, I guess you can say, where they pushed the envelope. We talked that about with The Exorcist. We talked that about with Texas Chainsaw and so forth and so forth. They went that extra mile where the late 60s was kind of coming into. Although I would argue you still had and, a lot of that in um, the 80s and 90s as well. Well, yes and no. In the 80s, he kind of cheesed it up a bit. Yeah. It went from, you know, they had more gritty, not horror, because their horror became more, I guess you could say commercial horror. Yeah, and sequels pumped out. Yeah, so, and more fun and less, sadly, less care. I would say that the 70s was the last um, decade of real cinema, true cinema. Yeah, I mean, it was the it, Jaws invented the summer blockbuster. You had the introduction of Spielberg and the Lucases. You had uh, introduction to uh, massive sci-fi, and obviously Star Wars being the, the go-to on that one, and horror and and gritty crime, crime drama. Now, gritty crime drama carried over into the eighties with like Vice Squad and Fort Apache, The Bronx. Yeah. Some of the Death Wishes carried over. And then it went to the buddy cop movies, another, you know, 40, 48 hours, Lethal Weapon. You know, and even they started going into more flashy action pop. And nothing wrong with that. We all love our 80s, hands down. Then the 90s, horror disappeared. Horror was gone. Yeah. And you had all, they, horror went right to, right to B, right into the, right into the, you know, the video rentals, mm-hmm. you know, Critters, Critters 4. Leprechaun in Space, Children of Corn 12, yeah. you know, all this shit that was coming out. And in the 90s, it was safe. Yeah, they were very much um, more drama-based as opposed to Yeah, edgy. Like, you know, like, yeah, yeah Reality Bites, Singles, um, the list could go on and on. Smarter drama, smarter thrillers, like uh, the John Grissom era came out. But it wasn't until Scream, kind of in the mid-90s, you know, popped its head up. And then you had, you know, the the, uh, the the Kevin Williamson era and the Wes Craven to kind of make it a resurgence and so forth. I know what you did last summer, all that sort of thing. Yeah, so you had, you have, but it was the 70s where it's a staple. Yep. And what I mean by that, it's nobody's going to touch the 70s. It was proper art. You can't redo Halloween. They did a real beautiful job in 2018. Loved it. Well, kudos. But that was still a sequel. And the source, you can't touch the source material. Is probably where I'm going with. We're going to be talking about that with The Exorcist coming up. We talked about that with Exorcist Legion. Legion was 
fucking very close. It was very good. Um, but you're not going to touch The Exorcist. You're not going to touch this Texas Chainsaw. You're not going to touch, keep going, even Rosemary's Baby, yeah. which was late 60s, but I'm not a fan of it, but it, I can appreciate it. Uh, the Wicker Man, I haven't seen it in years. I don't remember it, so we'll probably get to that one for all you listeners out there so Trevor and I can fight. <laughs> but the Grindhouse Cinema's gone. The Warriors, and we, I mean, I think we've talked about this before, where... 70s films are everlasting. Yep. Timeless. And the new cinema is like music. Mm-hmm. You're like, it's come and gone. Disposable. You know, it's like music from the 70s. You're always going to listen to the Eagles. And Dead Zeppelin. You're always going to listen to Zeppelin. You're always going to listen to the guy, the Fleetwood Max. Yeah. Mark Boland and T-Rex, yeah. I can't tell you anybody that's around now. Taylor Swift, um, I think that's about it. <laughs> well, kudos to her. I mean, she's a talented artist. I wouldn't, but... She's not my cup of tea. But my point is, I'll tell, yeah, you have a couple out there. But come on, Taylor Swift's not going to be the Beatles. Yeah, no. Or she's not, you know, she's not, she, she just is Bubblegum pop. So, this is the longest intro I've ever had, and I really don't have a point. My point is that they pushed the envelope in the 70s, where the 80s and the 90s, it became more safe. And cheesy. And cheesy. This leads us to the the horror element of the 70s, and we're here to talk about burnt offerings. Now, I bring up burnt offerings. Um, I, I, A, it's underrated. I don't think a lot of people remember it or have heard of it. They might have remembered, oh, I remember seeing this now on TV once. But it's a balls-to-the-wall film, and because no one is safe, including a child. Yes. And that's kind of where I was going with no holes barred, 70s. No one was safe. We saw it in Jaws when a child got eaten. Fucking The Omen was killing kids left and right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, The Omen 2, was it? Yeah. Uh, I just recently watched Omen 2, and yeah, yeah, no one was safe. No one was safe. And, uh, man, same thing with directors, you know? Like I said, Spielberg, the Lucases, the Walter Hills. Scorsese. The Scorsese, um, Sam Peckabaugh Freaking. in his late, late, late career, Sergio Loaney in his late, late, later years, and Martin Scorsese was introduced in the 70s. They were proper Mavericks. I mean, these guys were fucking balls to the wall. Yeah. And now, I, I mean, there's, there's some great directors out there, and, I'm, and I, I swear by Ty West, and I swear by... Robert Eagers. Um, uh, well, now you might not like Eagers' stuff, uh, but, but uh, you have to respect his uh, sort of... Uh, no, no, I'm not. I'm not respecting his vision until he gives me something good. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> people hang up on us now, because I know when people like Robert Eagers. But I, get, I think you get my point. Everything from the 70s is still around. It's a household name. It still holds up, where the newer stuff is like... That was good. Yeah. So Today... You can remake You can remake the new stuff that comes out now. You can't remake the 70s. Well, yeah, exactly. You just don't touch it. Um, you know, with films like... You just really couldn't remake, the, in my opinion, anyway. Um, I know we've had sequels to The Exorcist, but you can never, re- like, remake it. Um, films like A Clockwork Orange, The Warriors, just, you know, don't... I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if they did attempt to remake these films, but in my opinion, you know, don't fucking go there. You know? Yeah. It'd be silly. Mm-hmm. All right, so Burnt Offerings, 1976, directed by a man called Dan Curtis. Dan Curtis is um, really more of a producer and a writer. TV he's director more, as well. He's, yep. He's most famous for producing and writing the Dark Shadow series. 
Um, then he went on to do one of my favorite little anthology horrors called The Trilogy of Terror, yeah. which stars Karen Black, who's also in this. Um, Richard Matheson? He's, uh, he's got... Um, well, Richard Matheson did write this. No, no, he, he wrote um, The Trilogy of Terror, I believe, or, or at least part uh, of it. Oh, okay, okay. This is considered one of Kim, uh, uh, Stephen King's favorite horror films, which is funny. I read that up, and then when I watch this today, it goes to show where, where King might get his ideas. I don't know when The Shining was written, but this has a lot of Shining Oh, yeah, in this. absolutely. And I was um, actually going to bring this up myself. I mean, I mean, the haunted house trope is a sort of, it's an old trope, you know, so... You certainly—it's a very old trope, so you, you couldn't um, sort of accuse anybody of ripping anybody off. But I would say that there's a very good chance Keane was inspired by the original novel of Burnt Offerings and this film um, with The Shining. Um, now I, I have to say as well, I haven't read the original novel of Burnt Offerings, but um, I would like to—I'm going to have to at some point because I think it would be very, very good. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities in this film that. Um King um, uh, uh, uses in The Shining. So we'll, we'll, we'll dive into it and uh, kind of uh, take it from there. Yep. Now, I think this is kind of cool. I looked at you know, the house. It's the, it's called, the house they use in this is called the Dungeon House. And I like when they use, use houses in a series of different films. Yes. Now, I'm sure there's a couple out there, but this is one of the most famous ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, famous movies would be A View to a Kill. When I look at that, I was like, that house does look familiar. True <laughs> uh, Crime with Clint Eastwood and Phantasm. It's yes. The Phantasm House, which is a big one for our horror listeners. Uh, I so think it also appeared kind of, in I Married the Next Murderer. Yeah, I think it was in there, but it's been in quite a few. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing how they can take a house and make it look like shit, and then two seconds later, it's brand oh, yeah. new. I'm always impressed with production design teams and shit mm-hmm. and what they can do to a house to make it look like, you know fucking never been taken care of or groundskeeped in the next shot it's fucking brand yeah. new pretty impressive stuff though if you have a team of 300 people I guess that helps well uh, and a lot of money yeah so yeah <laughs> alright we start off with one hell of a fucking cast and it's a minimal cast we've got Karen Black Oliver Reed Burgess Meredith Betty Davis Ellen Heckert Lee Montgomery and the creepy creepy Anthony James yes um, that's your cast pretty much it's there's a shot where Karen Black and she's walking into the house. Now this film is very it's not boo. It's not ghost in the corner. There isn't one single it, jump scar in this. There isn't. But it's really geared around toward the actors. The characters, yeah. Yeah, the actors have to sell their performances. Characters driven. And yep, Karen Black, Oliver Reed, even the little fucker David. And, I don't mind him. You know, they all did their part. Yeah. They all were very good in this. And if it wasn't for the, this the, this cast and the, the direction they were given, this wouldn't work. Yeah, it's completely um, character-driven. We talk about slow burn a lot. This is a slow burn. But it peppers in elements of intensity, not by ghosts and ghouls, but by the family dynamic. The human drama. Exactly. And that's what sells the film. And it's sad because I'm reading up on this. Betty Davis hated everybody. 
Well, apparently, she, um, especially here at Oliver Reed, your yeah. fortune was that man. And thanks, he said he was, yeah. he was one of the most despicable, some, some words to the effect of one of the most uh, despicable um, people she'd ever had the misfortune to meet, which is <laughs> a bit harsh, but. Yeah, you know, you just never know. There's too many too many egos yeah, in the kitchen. That's it. And he was you a know, that's character. You know Yeah, I know Oliver Reed like like to like to drink and yeah. could be a, he probably swore a lot. I can see him like wanting to hang out with Oliver Reed kind of guy and she was old school, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh and he was he, not to take away from Betty, not to take away from Betty Davis, but pretty much before Meryl Streep came on, Betty Davis and Katherine Hepburn were the go-to of act, actresses of all mm-hmm. time. Um and so, uh, yeah, it's definitely well, she's old school. I think, where they yeah. were more reserved, more reserved. It was, I think it was definitely a clash, a generational clash as well. But also, I mean, he was a bit of a, a party animal and stuff, and especially yeah. dur- during the seventies. Yeah, I think that's what eventually killed him. It did actually. Apparently, what happened was on the, um, which is actually quite tragic. Um, he was off the drink and on the set of Gladiator. Apparently. A crew member challenged him to a drinking competition, and he, you know, he basically couldn't back down, or he felt he couldn't back down, and that was his final bender that killed him. Apparently, yeah, that's why he CGI'd. Yes, near some of it. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. A couple of actors died. Remember David Hemmings? Yes, that's right. We talked about him yes. with Deep Red. He died during filming. I yeah. think. I could be wrong. Could be wrong. Yeah, Oliver Reed. He used to drink with. Alex Higgins, the snooker player from Northern Ireland. No idea who that is. Right, Higgy was a wild man, and um, yeah, again, it was tragic as well. You know, he was him, Robert Shaw, and Richard Harris, all those guys yeah. who were badass mm-hmm. at what they're in their at their craft. But they liked to, you know, they worked hard, but they also, you know, played hard. Peter O'Toole, yes. all those dudes. Yeah. All right, so the opening shot's nice because Karen Black walks in, and as I mentioned, it's about the actors um, and and their their reactions to the scenes that they're that they're given. And so Karen Black walks into the house, and you can tell right away she's hypnotized by yes. Him, when that's right there, her downfall, and so the house draws her in right from the start with it, right from the start. I do like. The uh, brother and sister, Arnold and Ross. <laughs> Burgess Meredith. They're, they're Burgess Meredith. He just came back from training Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> and he turned and into like this really camp, sort of extravagant, sort of um, creepy guy who um, owns a haunted house. <laughs> and don't, don't forget Walker. Yeah. Walker's a good laugh, the uh, the caretaker. Yeah. Oh, well, he was basically um, reminded me of Father Jack from Father Ted, you know, the uh, drunken, lecherous priest. Yeah. <laughs> they have, they, they, you know, they have a short cameos. Um, but they're uh, yeah, but they're, they're quite memorable. Yes, exactly. They're quirky and fun, but you're like kids. They're like mischievous, so you know they're up. Oh to yeah, something. Oh, oh totally. But at this point, you think it's just playful, but you know it's it's, it's not much more sinister. That. Exactly. Um, we talk about the Shining. They're there for just for the summer instead of winter time. They're there to maintain the house. And to make sure it's upkeep fine, yep. it's it's you know taken care of just like the Overlook Hotel, mm-hmm. Jack Torrance, and again a lot like the Shining. There's not much ghosts. There's actually no ghosts in this, um, but a presence of some sort. And also the house is and, an entity, exactly. And less is more. Yes. And so it's more about you know with with Jack Torrance going through withdrawal, 
and being isolated yes. and what he's doing with and here you have kind of the opposite what they've done here they show in the beginning the fun family dynamic and they're a very happy Aunt family Elizabeth. and a very likeable exactly. family Aunt Elizabeth's good laugh yes. Betty Davis is great good laugh good smart ass with, the, with her uh, with her uh, nephew and with uh, Ben yes. and uh, with Marion and great it's a very good introduction. It's about 25, 25 minutes, and the movie's only off like an hour and a half. So you get 25 minutes of getting this great family dynamic, but as they pepper in little subtle scenes to let well, you know something's about to happen. Well, we talk about um, character arcs, but um, as a family, I mean, you look at this family at the start and then at the very end. I mean, that's a journey, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like the chimney, it unravels. Mm-hmm. All oh, crumbles. Yep. crumbles. It's all down to the evil house. <laughs> I did. I did want a ghost. No, well, well that would have sort of. Um, I think that would have uh, would have taken away from you know the tone and the way it's presented. So yeah, it would have been silly. Actually, I don't know. There's a scene. Okay, so they're told that the only th- I do like the fact that what's the catch here? This is great. We get this house all to ourselves for blah blah blah. Oh, there's one more thing. There's an 85-year-old woman you got to take care of. Yeah, that was... Uh, if that was, uh, like, me in the real world, you'd be like, what? You know, you'd... All right. You, I'm going to the Ramada. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Although, to be fair, it is addressed. Um, you know, they do discuss it, and they say, you know... It's, yeah, you know, yeah. So, yeah. She, yeah. Even the... Yeah, Mary says, I'll, t- I'll, I'll, I'll handle deal with her. her. Yeah. I'll deal with her, don't you? However, if I was living in that house and there was an old woman living up the stairs and I hadn't seen her, I think the curiosity would get the better of me. And that I would wrap her door and just say, hello, everything okay? You remember the scene where Walk, uh, Walker is going to throw away the dead plant? Yes. And Arnold goes, hey, what are you doing with that? Well, this place, the plant's dead. Yeah. Look again. Yeah. It's got li- life into it. Yeah. That goes to show you where we're at here yeah but they do those kind of moments and i still would erect to have a couple more of those yeah. well the plants are obviously a metaphor for the house itself coming alive yes of course yeah. because later on whenever things are really the shit is really hitting the fan you see the greenhouse and it's blooming yeah and then you also have when i mentioned earlier when marion is first you could tell by her look she's enthralled in the yes. house that the minute she t- she makes it Quite clear, nobody goes up to that apartment but yeah. me. I'm the only one who sees her. Like, okay, that's yeah. weird. She's um, becoming obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. That's being saved now, to her later on. Now, I know Betty Davis always has this weird approach when she when she speaks. Almost like she's, she's drunk. Mm-hmm. She has this slurring. But that's always been her presence, the way she's always delivered her lines. But everyone here, there's a scene we had Hecker. You have uh, Walker, and you've got Oliver Reed. And I just felt like, was the whole cast drunk <laughs> with some of these scenes? Because, you know, Betty Davis, she just goes, Hey, another thing, boy. Yeah. And then you got Walker, who's pretty much off off the off his Walker. Yeah. And he, Rocker, that is, Rocker. And they just seem very... Too giddy, almost. Yeah, I, I can see Oliver Reed having a hand on that one. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. But I think it's just to sort of... It's, it's setting up a pleasant tone at first. Um, it's sort of almost lighthearted, sort of tongue-in-cheek tone at first. 
but then it goes obviously it goes deeply sinister and more intense um, as the film yeah. progresses and I would say so much of that is down to well all of, obviously Oliver Reed and Karen Black but um, Betty Davis um, is very very good um, as well especially yes, later please. on when she goes full, full um, total recall you know with the eyes and stuff you know popping out you know yeah, she sells. She sells the pain. She especially gets. for a woman of of, of uh, a certain age that she was at the time. You know, um, she's not afraid to sort of you know let herself be shot in unflattering sort of um, you know basically scenes. You know, whenever she's in the bed, ill. You know, with the eyes popping out and all. Yeah, I know she's very good at it. I mean, she's yeah. you can tell she's a master at her craft. Oh, yeah. Um, she did a film called uh, Whatever yes, Happened to Baby I was Jane. Gonna say. Classic. Fucking, oh, that's your best yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't do this stuff to me if I was in this chair, <laughs> but you are, Blanche. You are in the chair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we should do that. Yeah, that's classic. I haven't, seen, I haven't seen that in probably 30 years. I haven't years. seen it in years either. I just remember the line. But yeah, I haven't seen it. Joan Crawford. Joan Crawford mm-hmm. is the one she's uh, manipulating. All right, so you have... Um, now, the scene where Marion goes up for the first time to the apartment... And she's looking around, and you know, you, you get all these pictures. Yes, uh, all, all these old pictures from like two hundred years ago. Yeah, to to quite the seventies almost. And they all look the same. Yeah, it's they all look frightened. Um, but, but it's all basically, yeah, it's basically but, it's um, heavily suggesting reincarnation of some form. I think this is where I'm James Wan and Mike Flanagan spoiled. Mm-hmm. So I gotta keep my perception of seventies. But I would like, there's a scene where she's walking across the room and the camera's panning with her and it's very dark in the background. Throw something in there. Yeah. Throw something like a shadow. Doesn't have to be like, you know, a human or anything. Subtle. Something a, subtle. A presence. Something subtle. You don't have to pause on it and let the audience catch it. You have to catch it like during a second, third mm-hmm. viewing. But something there to give you that jump. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, this isn't a jump scare film, so I, I'm quite happy with the way it pans out. You're right. You're not wrong. I'm just that's the spoiled Bradley me watching Flanagan stuff, <laughs> James Wan stuff. You no, know, you know, and and getting to our eighties that we talked about. I'm I'm almost I'm kind of like a cop out where I want some of my eighties thrown into the seventies, yeah, film, which is blasphemy to do yeah. that. But I kind of would like to see it. <laughs> I got it. Now there's a nice shot, but again, I think it was kind of mishandled where. They're in the kitchen, and they go to turn on the pantry light. Yes, the walk-in pantry there, and the light isn't on. And then David, a couple seconds later, goes, "Oh my God, I think I see ding dongs!" And he turns the light, and, and it, it comes works. on. Yeah, and it works. And then they pan up, and they focus on the light bulb. You didn't need to. You didn't need that. I think they should have just let it go, or, or, or had a shorter shot, maybe. Yes, have a shorter. Let the let the audience get. Yeah, it's kind of like that scene in Halloween. When Annie goes to the car, forgot her keys, then goes back yes. to the house, goes goes in the car, but she gets into the car without unlocking yeah. it, and then she realizes, wait a minute, why was my car unlocked? Mm-hmm. That's the way. To do. Yeah. Um, let the the audience will figure it out. So, yeah, so the dynamics working, everything's going fine. Uh, Marion's getting gray hair and wearing Laura Ingalls clothing. 
I, I would say as well, uh, Karen Black has just generally um, a, um, a weird presence anyway, so she's perfect for this role. Her eyes. Yeah. She, uh, Meg Foster has those kind of eyes. Meg Foster's got I mean, she eyes. I she mean, uh, sadly she passed away just a few years ago, but um, she was a, an immensely beautiful woman, but at the same time she carries this really weird presence about her. Yeah, yeah, she's... She's uh she she ended up playing in the Devil's Rejects. Yes, that's right. No, no, the House of a Thousand no, Corpses. Of House of Thousand yeah. Corpses, but she was replaced by somebody else. And yeah, she's she's died of a horrible disease, mm-hmm. and she actually had to do the GoFundMe to get people oh, to help her pay for her treatment. Yeah. God love her. Yeah, um, I liked her. I've always yes. liked her. Yeah, um, she was really good. I believe she was in. Well, she yeah she was in Five Easy Pieces. That's what kind of I'm got her sure. with uh, Jack. Jack Nichols. Oh, sorry. Yes, I, uh, yes, uh, yes. She was. Yeah. So everyone's going. She's kind of losing the plot at this point. But I do really like the fact when Ben's in the pool. Yes. Well, this is whenever you know that um, it, it's it's starting to kick off because he basically tries yeah. to murder his son in the pool. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not till he puts on the glasses. Yes. He puts on the glasses, so there's some other caretaker was in that yeah. pool, and he almost for a moment takes over that persona. Yeah. And as he's drowning his kid, which is a funny scene, by the way. I think it's a tough scene to watch. Uh, it's, uh, it's it is it is kind of a tough scene, but I'm laughing because <laughs> you're saying <sick>. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so as he's screaming, he takes the kid takes the goggles and smacks the dad. Yeah. Right. Oliver Reed's so good in this. So what they so he's got he holds his nose. Yeah. Because he smacked him pretty good, and his nose is bleeding. And I think this is the only blood you can we hear see in him. This film. You can you can hear him. Holding his nose, you can hear him seething, mm-hmm. and the blood and, and the water, and you can just you can hear him, and he's he's full of rage. Yep. Um, as he turns away from the camera and walks, you know, away from us, uh, it's a really creepy shot for a father who's been so supportive and fatherly this whole time. Such a good dad. Yeah, a good guy. Yep. And he becomes almost you know, a killer, we, the killer of his son. Now we meet Anthony James. Anthony James is a, it was a character actor. He was in, uh, in the Heat of the Night was his first big role. He was really good as the bar owner in the Unforgiven. Um, he's odd tall man, yeah. tall man. He plays the chauffeur here. He actually quit acting, and he's a f- he, very famous artist. Right, I didn't know that. And he just passed. Mm-hmm. So whoever had any Anthony James paintings, congratulations. Yeah. There was a lot. But the chauffeur. So check this out. The year, I think it was 1981, 82. Had to be about 82 because my brother, Brian, got his life, had his license. Mm-hmm. And he's a few years older than me. And one of his first gigs was working for the Ramada Hotel. And he was a chauffeur. Yeah. For, you know, people going to the airport and whatnot. Whatever he was yes. doing. I can't remember. I was watching this movie in the house with my brother Brian. I think you guys know where I'm going with this. My brother always scared me. Scared <laughs> me to, you know, do what older brothers do. So we're watching it, and the chauffeur creeped the fuck out yeah. of me. I remember we had this lazy boy, this classic lazy boy. It's a great chair. We had it for years, and I hid behind it anytime the chauffeur would show up. Now today it's probably cheesy, right? But still, it still holds. Still works. Up. That's what I'm saying about seventies. 
even though the new the, the, the new new school wouldn't wouldn't get it, I would because it, 70s doesn't change for me. It's I atmosphere, see Texas but atmosphere. Grindhouse horror. I see this still as creepy. Yeah. Uh, by today's standards, it might not be, but by by 70s standards, it's still holds yeah. up. Mm-hmm. So uh, the movie's over. I get up. And I'm just walking around doing whatever. We're downstairs. We have the TV room downstairs, and there's a laundry room, and then there's what they call the toy room. There's a little room we just, you know, with toys and all of our junk were in yeah. there. Well, I open it, and it's all dark. And when you open the door, you don't need to turn the light on because the light from the hallway illuminates the room. Okay. So I open it, and there's my brother, <laughs> baby powdered face, white. <laughs> fucking, sh- fucking the sh- the shades on. You don't know. He had the fucking hat because he had the chauffeur yeah. hat because he was a chauffeur, and the black coat. You don't know. And he just looked at it and he had a grin on his face. <laughs> Scared the fuck out of me. I remember it as if it was yesterday. Yeah. You, My mom lad. comes running down. I'm screaming, crying. My mom yells at my brother Brian. He could have had a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> um. So that's. One of my uh, my memories in, in watching uh, Burnt But yes, I, I used to do um, yeah stupid shit like that with my sisters, you know, with like scurry masks and stuff and jump out on them and stuff. Yeah, so good stuff. Uh, yeah. Uh, see, that, that was the era we grew up in yeah. too. That's where we did things, you know? Even the, even the way we watched films are different than the way we are now. It was an event. Exactly. Something always happened when we went to a mm-hmm. movie. Uh, so Ben's having these dreams. Now this chauffeur is somebody he, he, he uh, creeped him out that was at his mom's funeral. He's the guy who drove his mom's yes. hearse. I believe that's who he is. And Ben's always had nightmares of the chauffeur. Mm-hmm. And now they're bringing those those images back to his head from his childhood. And this also starts his insanity because of the the effect the chauffeur has on him. Yeah, although I would say as well that um, with Ben... Um, he appears as as the film progresses. He appears to have a much stronger mind than um, the Karen Black character um, Marion, because he resists it more and, and he becomes the voice of reason and sanity. Um, whereas she goes full. Although she does eventually turn it around at um, towards the very end before the final sort of, you know, whenever she goes back into the house as they're going to leave. But Ben um, resists the evil house more. Um, than she does as she's going down the rabbit hole of you know full on you know basically being the old woman reincarnated yeah like in the beginning scene she was more naive yeah so she wanted to take the house where he was like I don't know come on what are you thinking here do you really want to do mm-hmm. this he was more reserved about it so when you have and then you have so you have Marion who's becoming pretty much the homebody you've got Aunt Elizabeth who's losing the plot at this point yes. she's getting tired weak paranoid and then you've got uh ben's character who's now his father figure who's become as he's trying to avoid the the house's uh hauntings, yes he's becoming more violent more abrasive mm-hmm. um so it's kind of like what they do with james brolin's character in the in the uh in the uh amityville horror yeah. who who do you um, think um tried to bump david off the second time with the gas because it's not explained, which is the best way. Um, you think it was the old dad? It would have to. It would have. It would have to be a physical presence. The aunt. 
because no, I don't think it was on Elizabeth because she was never controlled. In fact, I think that's Our boy I think that's why. No, I think she was just losing it. I think she she has more. But she was in the room. Yeah, but she she just told him what he tucked him in and said good night. Yeah, I think she did not do it. I think what's happened is she's actually the more powerful of the father and the wife because she's more go fuck yourself, spirit. You're not gonna fucking talk to me. So that's how it's dealing with her by giving her making her tired, wearisome, you know, back pain and all this this horrible death they give her. To deal with her because they know they can't fuck with her mind. I, I would say as well. So just, uh, I think the mother did it. Possibly, yeah. That's a good, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. Well, um, what I would say um, again, it's down to the acting, and but also um, subtle makeup. Um, how, if you look at um, Marion and also Aunt Elizabeth at the beginning, where they're very, they look great and they're very bright and you know, um, you know, they're you know all that sort of thing. But as the film progresses. They get more and more older looking and sort of um, with Cam Black, you know, her hair's going grey. So it is. But also with Aunt Elizabeth, she's um, getting more older and weary looking just then. It's gradual, but it's very well done. Yeah. It's, um, as you, I mean, when, when you hear, there's a scene where Aunt Elizabeth's walking or she's in bed and she moves, you can hear her neck almost yeah. break. Her bones are brittle. Well, she, she's quite, um, she's almost arguably uh, middle-aged. Even, I think there's even dialogue would say, you're not old, you know, at the beginning. But by the end of it, before she dies, she looks about 100. Yeah. I think who gets it the worst is, uh, I, I do think it's funny when David drops the ball. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Mary goes off on him, like fucking blah, yep. blah. And then Ben goes up to her, hey, whoa, lighten yep. up. I'd be like, Mary, if I was Mary, I'd be going, fuck you, you try to drown them. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so me yelling at him for dropping a crystal ball, yeah. that's 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 warranted. You drowning him? No. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, <laughs> perspective here. You know, a, a scene I did find very well acted and very emotional as well, just um, when we're talking about, you know, Davey getting shouted at um, by his mum and also um, almost getting drowned by his dad. It's whenever um, Ben, Oliver Reed, is trying to make up with him. And it's just, it's quite an awkward scene, but it's, it's so, um, you feel for both of them, where um, Oliver Reed, we friends again, and he, you know, he shakes his hand, and, you know, Davey runs, and, you know, dad, and hugs him, you know, that sort of thing. It's very, very well played by, by the young actor as well, along with Oliver Reed. Yeah, I mean, like I, like I mentioned before, the whole cast is pretty solid. Um, that young kid ended up working quite a, quite. A lot in the nineties. Yeah. I mean, in the uh, through the eighties. Sorry, and then he's he's went on. I think he's a real estate developer or yes. something. He retired, uh, but kudos to him. He he did some good stuff, and, and the, he did a lot of uh, films in the seventies. Is where kind of where his, he peaked. And uh, uh, yeah, the whole like I said, the whole cast is pretty. I mean, like I said, there's no ghosts here, so they got to sell it's it. It's perfectly cast, you know, right through it. I think. So when Elizabeth gets it. We see the creepy scene, my favorite, where the chauffeur's coming up the driveway. Yeah. He comes out, gives him, gives uh, Ben a big grin from up, from down, from down below, and then you can hear him shuffling around, coming up the stairs. Yeah. The great comes scene with the coffin, and Ben, yeah, Ben's terrified in the corner while the aunt's in the bed, 
uh, screaming, not screaming, but in pain, and she knows what's coming. And there he is, and he, you know, we what Ben sees and what Aunt Elizabeth sees is the chauffeur kind of pretty much crushing her with a coffin kind mm-hmm. of thing. I don't know what he was doing there to be honest with you. But I think it was just him coming to collect her. I think that's what he was trying to do. I don't think he was I don't think Aunt Elizabeth the seen the, sh- the chauffeur. I think that was only Ben seen the chauffeur. Uh, she I would th- have seen something yeah, else. Or, yeah, or she, she hears something yes. coming. But either way, Ben knows who it is. He thinks he sees the chauffeur in yeah. his head. Yeah. So he's there to collect, obviously, Aunt Elizabeth. So but, she yeah. gets it, and he he freezes. He can't do he can't do shit because he's he's just petrified of this. Of it's pretty much his his uh, his uh, what do you call it? Kryptonite yeah. is this chauffeur? Yeah, exactly. And it's not even you know it's not even really the chauffeur. It's basically it's the house, but you know, but making him believe it's a chauffeur, you know. And this point, he goes to the funeral with uh, uh, David. Is it David or Daniel? The, the boy, Danny. David. Dan, with David, Daniel. Yeah, yeah. Is it yeah, David? The, the boy's called David, yeah. Okay, I thought Danny. I'm thinking of yeah. <laughs> uh, So, yeah, so when, and then she, this is where he's had enough. He says, you didn't Brilliant go scene. to, you didn't go to Aunt Elizabeth's funeral. What's your fucking problem And that's here? when you know she's um, went, she, she, she's went, you know, that, that's the house has got hurt at this point. You know, she's yeah. become that old woman in the room. He leaves. He's a, we're, we're fucking done. The kid's panicking now because there's still a little mistrust issue there with what happened, obviously, at the mm-hmm. pool, despite them making up. But uh, him trying to bang through trees was, was like, this is not going to well, happen. Well, the evil dead and, becomes. <laughs> yeah. And then Marion stops the whole thing, and this causes him to go comatose. Yes. He's, he's, he's lost the plot now. He is shutting himself down. Um, and this is where everything goes goes to fuck. Yeah. This is where, so you see, yeah, you, you got to, you know what, of all the people, David gets it the worst. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This guy has been drowned by the father nearly. He's been gassed by, I think, the mother. He has dropped the crystal uh, bowl, getting corrected by his mother. Uh, which he actually deserved that one. <laughs> and then he gets a fucking horrible well, death. Well, but before that, don't forget as well, he's in the car with his dad and, and, oh, and yes. the branches are yes. coming alive and it's, it's evil yeah, dead. Territory. No seatbelt on. Yeah. No seatbelt on. His dad's driving I thought it was the 70s. He didn't have to wear seatbelts and you could drink and drive as well. Oh, here we go. <laughs> here we go. You and that famous line. You guys want to watch, listen to a podcast? <laughs> the Dead Zone. <laughs> Everything was okay that happened in the Dead Zone because it was the 70s, man. <laughs> You cheat on your husband with your baby in the bedroom? <laughs> yeah. With the, with the guy you're screwing? It's the 70s, yeah. man. You're a serial killer in a small town, Maine. Hey. It was the 70s. It's, it's the 70s, rolled. man. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I said that right, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You had an affair while your baby slept. In, I hope I said that right because I, I, I think I no, no, be kind of creepy. No, no. You guys know what I meant. sex um, with the girl. He's having an affair. She's having an affair behind with her husband's her, back and the kids yes, in with her the baby room, there. basically. Okay. Yeah. I thought I said it differently. You know what I'm saying with this? Yeah. No, I no, I no, a little... no, no, you're fine. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, when the kid starts to drown again, yes. perfect. turn on the wave maker that you get in like your local swimming pool. <laughs> exactly. Um, and there's Komato's dad sitting there. He can't do yes. anything. And it's nice. It's a nice scene where he breaks down. He goes, "I couldn't. I couldn't save yeah. him." And Marion finally, for a second, yes. breaks character and says, 
we're getting out of here yeah. now. Um, this whole last five minutes is brilliant. Yeah. And and the reason they do it, it's so calm and quiet. Mm-hmm. They get in the car. They're ready to go. All Marion. And Marion now, at this point, gray hair's gone. She's back to being Marion. Well, she's back to regular clothes. Yeah. And all she says is, I got to say goodbye. Leave her my number if she has any problems. Yeah, it's a Col- Colombo moment. Just one more thing. Yeah, yeah. just one more thing. Um, and there's Danny and the dad awaiting. He's honking the horn. She quietly walks up, adjusts some things in the house, mm-hmm. little things like that, and goes into the goes into the apartment. Cut. The dad goes, "What the fuck? Yeah, what's keeping her?" So he goes up to the stairs, gets in the apartment, and there's Mrs. Alcaride. Al- Alcaride. Al- what's your um, name? The Alcar. Al- 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 oh, it's well. What is it you call? Alcaride. Yeah. Yeah. Al- Something off like we'll, we'll go off. We'll call the old woman. Yeah, I can't remember. I, it's, just a, it's just escaped me the name of the, the older woman. Alcarade. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Alcarade. So he sees her in the chair, but her back's turned. And as he, would you speak to me, woman? You dumb bitch. Yep. Grabs her. And he, yeah, grabs her. And there's Karen Black in full granny gear, yep. gray hair, the albino eyes, the white yep. eyes, and. All white she's face. Become, um, she, yeah, she's become. And then obviously he fucking loses the plot, and he's chucked out the window. <laughs> what a horrible death! Again, Danny's has to witness this. That's but Dad David. Sorry, this part. No, it is Daniel. It's Davy. It's it Davy. I'm almost certain. Okay, you're almost certain. Yes. Almost. I'm gonna look this up. Or hold on. I look up the old woman's name as well. Ah, it's Dave. Thank you. Look up the old woman's name as well. Um. Uh. No, I. I don't have it. I have. It's Alcarade. It's It's Al. It's why. Why could they have be fucking sniffs? <laughs> right. Fucking hell. But anyway, just Al- to rub salt Al- in the Al- Davy's wounds after she has dad after everything he's been through. Yeah. His dad so gets chucked out the, the winter. Ian has a chimney. And it's a great effect. Him. Great effect. Yeah. Because the, the the dad's face is plummets right through the fucking glass, and there's Daniel. Go, what the yeah. fuck, David? Sorry, and he screams. Now, little fucker, no offense, deserved to die, because he sits there for thirty minutes as the chimney's falling on him. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he should have ran. To be fair, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, or, or moved out of the way a bit. You know, moved to the, yeah, moved to the left moved. a bit, kid. You know, <laughs> um, but he's like, nah, yeah. Yeah, so and at the end, yeah, the house is all nice. It resets. And clean. I love that by the way, that the house resets. Yeah. You know. And then you see the pictures yeah. of the of of David, mm-hmm. Ben, and Aunt Elizabeth. Yes. But guess who's missing? Yes. Marion. Marion. Yes. Because she never died. She's upstairs yeah. now in the attic. And then you hear Burgess Murdoch and, and the sister talking about, you know, and we've got our dear mother back. So I don't get it. Is that the house you use souls yeah. to 
remodel itself. I mean, would it be easier to get a contractor? <laughs> it um, well, it doesn't need a contractor. That would cost money. It can just do it itself magically through souls. Yeah, the the, the house is basically yeah, it, it's basically reincarnation, and it's constantly resetting and reincarnating. But it needs new souls to take on the roles of you know the old the old woman and stuff. You know, um, yeah, it basically devours people. And, it, and then it continues to live and recycle and recycle. Reincarnation, basically. There you have it. Burnt Offerings, 1976, horror classic. I think people need to check it not out. Just a, not just a horror um, classic, but I would say in the haunted house subgenre, this is one of the best. It's, it's a solid outing. And after this, we'll get a whole bunch more with Ghost Story, Emilyville Horror, yeah. and The Changeling, which we might get to some of those in Halloween month and a half. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there you go. It is a classic. Great acting. Great. It's an hour and a half. It's an easy watch. You think it'd be finally drama. Boring because there's no ghosts or visual effects. You don't need it, people. It's about tension. And performances. The tension is done by performances and by the words that are used and the direction they are. It's a character given. drama. So there you have it. A smart little review here from the guys at Citizen Friend. As usual. No, well, I want to go <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, This was an earlier one for you guys, just because we got a little late start. Uh, Thanks to fucking Barbie. God damn it. Yeah, damn you, Barbie's Barbie's ruining everything in the movie world. You're not Ken off. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Uh, That's it. We're going to wrap this one up. If you guys have any questions or queries or comments about the podcast, give us a shout at CitizenFrame underscore podcast. And, of course, Facebook. We're wrapping this one up. Take care.